Yeah, see, all James had Gunn had to do was say locker room talk and then be like, oh, well, we can't. And then and then he could have been president. <laughs> James Gunn, 2020. The Big Show. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to Talking During the Movie, the show where two Jagoffs talk about new movies and movie news. I'm Mike. And I'm James. And uh, use my best uh, white person voice that I can. This is uh, episode number 96, uh, which we are calling Mike and James, Get the Fuck Across Town. Well, it's been a while, uh, a couple of <laughs> weeks, a few weeks. Yeah. Um, glad to be back. We uh, First first week was my fault, next two weeks were Mike's fault. We'll call it a push. Uh, <laughs> and I'm we're just, moving on. I'm just, and I'm, just we, trying to see, I'm just trying to see how far I could take it till you kill me. Yeah, it's 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 coming. It's coming like, quick. Like till till you decided that the uh, legal ramifications of uh, homicide. You know me. I like I like spectacle. to the inner fury of of me. I'm just saying. I, I like I like spectacle. You know. So it's probably I'm probably thinking wedding night, wedding day, ah, maybe during my best man speech. That certainly would be memorable. Maybe it's like, do you take this woman to be? And it's like I, poof, done. Oh, you know. He what? He what? <laughs> and then, then I'll give the eulogy at your funeral somehow. <laughs> oh man! And what's behind That's that door? A... It's not Jesus. It's, it's not another Jesus. door. It's not Jesus. Oh man, there's a there's a great video out actually. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we should uh, talk about it on a future episode, but <laughs> basically uh, tearing apart, uh, not tearing apart, deconstructing uh, Taika Waititi's oeuvre and like oh, just talking like, about kind of what... That's... No, 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 no. Tearing apart. <laughs> it, it's a very laudatory video, but it kind of like kind of picking apart what defines his concept of, of Kiwi humor and uh, uh. like it's distinct and... Uh, what makes what makes him unique as a comedy filmmaker? Which uh, it's very neat. It's cool. It's a good little video. We'll talk about it uh, another That'd time be because uh, we have some news. We actually, we, we got plenty to keep us occupied this time around. I think. Yeah, you put it best. You know, our procrastination saved us because like there was nothing to talk about, and now there's like everything to talk about because Comic Con everything. just happened. So we got a lot of trailers, and there was another big piece of news that we're gonna uh, really really put some. Uh, Put some stuff into, and then to just go full talking politics during the movie, we're going to review. Sorry to bother you. Yep. Uh, probably the most political movie to come out this year. Absolutely, the most. no, a hundred and ten percent. At least, at least, if your political focus is generally around class and workers' rights, then absolutely the most political movie that's come out in I think a couple years. Even well, like, really. That sort of gets you gets the thumb on the pulse of my of my main takeaway from this movie, and that I shall prime you for a discussion. Is that I think it's going to be one of the most like misinterpreted <laughs> movies. That's right. That's Maybe right. not entirely because it's saying a lot. It is, and it's saying a lot of different things. And if you take one message from it, you know, pretty much from the premise, you're not wrong. But there's more to it, and you're not doing the. You're going to miss the forest for the trees if if you leave it on that analysis. So, I'm I'm uh, you know. Because you would uh, kind of, you told me that that was your opinion uh, before I saw the film, and now I'm wondering if I interpreted it the same way you did, or if I <laughs> underinterpreted it. I don't think I 
did underinterpret it, but there's um, there's times I think I overinterpret it. I, I'll, I'll be yeah, I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah. I'll be honest about it, and you can laugh at me and call me ridiculous, but I'm going there. That's fine. I uh, I think that's if if there's a, a movie to do that with, this is the one. I I feel like I'm going to be throwing kind of every spare idea I had at this thing because I almost feel like that's how the filmmakers approached making yeah. this movie. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Um, All first, right. Well, let's get let's start with the light fun stuff. Let's ramp and, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk about you want to talk about glass? You want to talk about Godzilla? Let's talk about glass, just because I feel like we can have a uh, a bit more of a back and forth with that because we're both, um, you know, we were both moderate fans. I forget. Were you actually kind of negative on Split, or did I, you? I was. I was decidedly negative on Split. I will oh, say. Oh, you were okay. All right. Yeah. It, um, it was. I was, I was more, more mixed, but probably I would give like if I were to if I were to submit a review to Rotten Tomatoes, I would submit it as rotten. It would be a rotten. Okay. And I was I was more positive, kind of, and, and still do, uh, kind of view it as a, um, a heightened B movie that just, um bangs on all cylinders in virtually every practical aspect and in acting cinematography all that so for me i enjoyed it a lot uh while kind of being able to put critical thinking and film <laughs> theory to sleep you know during it sure um, and i still say you know if anyone with this social identity disorder uh is offended by that movie uh i think you have every right in the world to be <laughs> it's horrendously offensive to people with that uh disorder but uh yeah it tries to sidestep it and i mean if you really want to split hairs it does but that doesn't make it you know that doesn't just solve the issues there yeah it's kind of like giving it a tarantino pass where like it seems so disinterested with real world ramifications that i am willing to overlook them but that's also in part just because i'm not someone who would ever have to live with them yeah (laughs) exactly so i think it's totally fair to criticize it on that front um but i I still enjoyed it and i think we both really liked um are are pretty big fans of uh unbreakable right the m night channel on film from 99 i believe with i mean i've only actually seen it once and i don't consider it a proper viewing so it's like i'll I'll, i would need to okay rewatch that i I, I, I think it's Oh, go ahead. Sorry, man. Oh no, I was pretty much done. Oh, okay. I, I just I think it's probably. Uh, I don't think I'd put it over uh, Six Sense, but it's definitely uh, top tier Shyamalan for me. Uh, probably just under Six Sense. Um, I, I think it's fantastic, um, and also a very interesting. Oh, you're talking about Unbreakable. Like, I was like, wait. Um, 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 no, Unbreakable. Not and, split. Uh, kind of an interesting. Uh, I I think kind of reads if anything better now. Um, in a world where superhero films have taken over, you know? Um, yeah. I think, I think this idea of a, like, of a hidden or a, a, an unexpected or secret superhero film uh, seems really novel now. And uh, uh, the fact that, you know, he kind of did it t- twice um, and now is kind of making a unifying movie to tie this whole universe together, maybe or maybe not, it's hard to say yeah i mean you were right when we reviewed split that you're like this is probably the only time that we can have a a franchise sprung on us right (laughs) and so it does feel unique 
and interesting. Like I'll say, it worked on me like hotcakes because I was like I'm I'm was ready. Like I basically by the end of Split, I had already in my mind bought my tickets to Glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we actually have a trailer. Um, and the first thing that stands out to me is it seems like we have what would have been in most Shyamalan films, the final twist in the second shot of the trailer. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm confused. A bit. Yeah. I'm just confused. I, I, uh, no, I didn't expect it to go this direction, right? Whatever, whatever he's doing is working <laughs> because it for me it dialed the intrigue up to eleven. I really want to know because he's clearly like he's clearly still up to his old Shyamalan games, and that can either pay off wonderfully or more likely, given his recent track record, absolutely blow up in his face. <laughs> and I kind of am just curious if this, uh, what I think could be the most like artistically satisfying intellectual property that M Knight has ever conceived, um, ultimately culminating in just another pile of abject garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. I mean, I'm look. not saying it will, but I'm just saying based on the trailer, um, which I don't think was bad. It's just clearly there's risk taking going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, like they don't play it. He he doesn't play it safe. He doesn't just get. It would be. It would have been so easy for him to give us like a sort of like monster mashup, right? right. But with like these weird superheroes with like glass pulling the strings, and you know, then. Um, uh, Bruce Willis and, and James McAvoy, you know, the beasts going at each other. Vice, you know, kind of like this Lex Luthor, Batman, Superman thing, but maybe like good. Uh, <laughs> I feel and like, like I that almost... would have been fine. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone, anyone would have complained too much, but he's going for more. He's, yeah. He's all in. Yeah. I think I almost like had kind of written a, a, a super generic milk toast script for glass in my mind before like just as soon as it was announced as a thing where like you know uh bruce willis and sam jackson have to you know team up to fight their greater enemy which is the beast and then it turns out that sam jackson was really just uh two time in the, the yeah whole exactly time. exactly like i feel like we all had that movie collectively in our heads and i'm just i'm i'm happy it's not that but once again with m night we're in uncharted territory, and uh, <laughs> and who knows where that's going to lead us. But I'm I'm very excited, and uh, it, 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 for whatever happens, because I I want to be on the record. This is far from a safe bet, but it's it's a bet I'm taking. <laughs> I'm take I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I will I, I will say this. I'll feel really bad if it uh, if it crashes and burns. I'll feel really bad because M. Night Shyamalan is like clearly a filmmaker who cares about what he does a lot and he believes in things like he has passion projects. Um, 
and it is a little heartbreaking when when you know something that someone puts so much time and effort into uh, gets roundly ridiculed online, and that's its <laughs> legacy. Um, and I am not saying this means that one should not laugh at the happening. Please, laugh at the happening. <laughs> I was like, you're you're really you're really talking about the happening here. <laughs> well, of course, and everyone should laugh at the happening. It's a hilarious movie, but also. It is a little disheartening when you realize that that was someone's dream. Yeah. Like, he, he really swung for the fences there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not even as tragic with something like Avatar because, or The Last Airbender, because, like, I never really got the sense he gave two shits about that property. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't, I, I have a strange opinion on Shyamalan films, and it's like, best, the best Shyamalan movie to watch once. The Sixth Sense. Best Shyamalan movie to continue watching? Science. Are you going to say science? Yeah, of course. Science, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you fucking are. Because it's awesome. And look, let me put a big caveat in there in that I haven't given serious watches to Unbreakable. So, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Check that out. because Actually, you you should watch that. Oh, yeah. I will. I will. Um, also, one of Tarantino's favorite movies uh, is like 25... He did a list of like 25 favorites uh, since he became a filmmaker. So like since 1992. And uh, that was one of them, which was uh, pretty neat. Cool, yeah. cool. So, um, you know, it's other thing that, well, I was about to say other thing we're excited about, but I'm not really excited about this. And I, I mean, I'm even less excited than you are. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer. Woo! Ooh. Ooh, man. Those moth wings, though, huh? That was gorgeous. Look, it was absolutely beautiful. This looks like it's going to be a beautifully shot disaster. Like, whoo, man. I, I mean, and I'm even, I'm even curious to see how profitable it's going to be because, like, from from budget, from a budget perspective, this has bloat written all over it, and like Universal, like wants this cinematic universe and i don't think they've learned from like the decu and that you know you can't just throw money at it to get it um because i don't know it's like i don't uh, it it was the first godzilla the first gareth edwards godzilla was profitable enough to warrant a sequel that's true yeah but what the fuck like keep what are you doing (laughs) This, this is out of control spending okay they went all out with this and uh, uh, did they recycle the entire like did they get an entirely new cast other than ken watanabe uh yeah they did jesus christ which which really goes to show how much stock they how much they really cared about their human characters in the first movie what they don't what of course not no, I know, but I'm just saying. They, I feel like watching it, you know, you at least kind of get the sense that they're paying lip service. Like, yeah, this is our main hero, and this is the girl that you want him to fuck. And yeah, okay, <laughs> we're gonna kind of try and get you to like him because we're supposed to. And now in this one, they're, they're basically just going like they mattered so little. We're not even gonna. Who the fuck are they? I don't know. We got eleven. Yeah, I know. We got a. This is this is loaded with like this is loaded with a bunch of stars like rising stars that you're like okay i i saw him i saw him from from uh 
or from uh, straight out of Compton. Oh, I saw her from from Stranger Things. Or just out and out established stars like America's football coach Kyle Chandler. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and then of course Ken Watanabe, who I, I think let them fight, is going to become his. It's his it, that's going to be. It is, and uh, I it's just like. This whole movie, I just want him to just come up constantly. All he says is just let them fight. It's like that's all he says anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, we t- we talked about it a lot in the pre-show, just about like how the scale in this movie is so out of control that how is anything going to matter? How is the you know these monsters, Ghidorah, Mothra, they span city blocks, right? You know, it's yeah. like how how is how are the people matter? They're ants. You know, yeah. The um, thing- and then how does how is King Kong gonna matter when he comes around? Oh my like, god! Like, come on! The thing is, they did face that problem with the first movie too, because you know, obviously, the monsters were also very big in that. Yeah, um, but they I mean, did find it. Come they did on, find like- it. No, no, no. But they, I was gonna say they they did find a solution, which was cast Brian Cranston because he's the only human sized person that can go up against the huge fucking monster, and he does for for, for half the movie. For half the movie, or really a third of it. Yeah, really a third. Um, and then they're like, "Psycho, bet you didn't see that coming." It's like, no, that's not how you do that. No. You just admit it. You just couldn't afford him. Well, that's kind of how I felt about the first one. That like it had seen a bunch of classic horror films and like read the techniques on paper. Like he read David Boardwell or whatever about how effective Jaws is because delayed you know, delayed audience gratification and yeah. like how psycho threw the audience off kilter. And it just like kind of applied all that in a very textbook way that didn't have the impact that they were hoping for just because they didn't seem to invest any sort of time or effort into character beyond plot utility. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, you know, and, it, but you well, know what? Anything, I don't know. Though, I feel like I feel like the first one was like being held to a bit more of a like even if it was just doing any sort of character development out of a sense of obligation here in the sequel based on the trailer it looks like even that flimsy pretense is gone. Like well, and that's that's really my central point with this that I didn't really talk about in the pre-show is just that like um, this this is what I think America has not shown they understand about Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And and as I said, also, Japan doesn't have that great of a track record either. Like, they got, like, two or three really good ones, and the rest is essentially uh, has the same flaw. And that's, a, like, the best Godzilla movies are not about Godzilla. They're about what yeah. effect Godzilla has on people. It's because, it's because Godzilla isn't a vindictive character or a, or, or a defender or friend of children. He is the inevitable consequence of our own destructive tendencies as humans. Exactly. You see that and, in the first Godzilla. You see that in Shin Godzilla, the most recent Toho Godzilla. Which, by the way, the only the only the only solace I get from this new Godzilla movie coming out is that we're one year closer to getting a Shin Godzilla sequel. Yeah, uh, which will probably fall fall prey to the same thing of doubling down on the least interesting part. But hey. Whatever, that I, we still I, have Shin Godzilla. I, I mean, it's, it's the horror movie thing, right? It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not about Leatherface. No. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and beyond, all about Leatherface. Oh, by the way, speaking of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, did you see that new steelbook that's out from Best Buy for Texas Chainsaw Massacre? What? This new steelbook. There's a Best I got... Buy steelbook? I, I don't own a physical copy of that movie. I need that. Get, get, get it 
get it because that movie is terrifying it's really scary uh, um because the same thing Jay- friday the 13th like okay well halloween let's not let's not let's, okay i was like come on ha- halloween first yeah. movie not about michael myers no. every other movie since then about michael myers and they were bad the force he's a mysterious he's just a, he, he's this unnameable shot they call him the shade yeah he's right <laughs> entity he's he, i don't know anyway um yeah so i mean it's just like you they lose track i mean and that's the thing the american films have just like they're already in sequel mode they've been in sequel mode for godzilla since they've since they've got their hands on it they don't know what to do with them because they don't understand that premise and yes and and but you know to be fair like you said the japanese haven't necessarily been a whole lot better even though yeah it is. i mean well they have they have more it, it, more failures in godzilla than uh america right, but, does so also, it's a you know, it is their property. It's almost just like okay, fine, you know, do whatever do what you, you want with it, right? Do what you want with it, but also you do seem to be horrendously missing the point of. <laughs> I, I mean, what did start out as uh, as seriously as it can be, a you know, at, as much as you can take it seriously, it was a serious film. It was a it, you know, it, it had topical relevance to a post-war Japan. Uh, which was very recently post-war at the time that it came out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I just, you know, I think maybe the sense of missed opportunity crops up for me so much in regards to this because we do live in an age of renewed nuclear tensions and fears. Um, well, I mean, they did try the whole nuclear thing with with the first Gareth Edwards, the 2014 Godzilla, and it well, didn't go well. Not to say it can't. But I don't think at this point they can rehash that plot line with any, you know, I don't think they need any more re- gravitas than they did the first time. I don't think they need to rehash that plot line. I, I just think, you know what, I, I don't even need to specifically mention <laughs> nuclear war. Um, effectively, the notion of mankind having a negative impact on the Earth and its natural, uh, you know, biospheres, I don't yeah. think biospheres is not the right word i don't care <laughs> and and just it's not ecosystems having a negative impact on the, the the earth and its ecosystems um is more relevant than ever um because we're like devastating the environment in all sorts of ways <laughs> at an unprecedented rate and it's it's in the conversation more and more um there's more anxiety around it culturally um globally and i feel like that could be uh, rich territory for a Godzilla film to explore, as unlikely as it seems. Like, that does seem to kind of uh, square with what the original film was doing um, and find a way to bring it home in a way that's more relevant today. Um, and they're not doing that, and it's it, they're just kind of going for the, the franchise building and all that stuff, um, which is a shame. Yeah, and I can't wait to watch the next movie in this series where where none of these characters are still here. Uh, yeah, uh. Inst- no. Instead, they're gonna get um, <laughs> they're gonna get Lakeith Stanfield and <laughs> and Army Hammer and uh, yeah. Great! I'm so excited. Oh yeah. Well, so I mean, that was vaguely political, but I think now we could transition to our full on talking politics during the movie because our, oh, our next next moves n- news story 
which is weird mm-hmm. because we normally only have like one or none of these as of none. This, um, is, this is the big one. But our next one is about James Gunn. Gunn. I, I did not believe it when I read <laughs> the, the when I saw the tweet that James Gunn was fired from Garcia. I was like, what? Why? Biggest de- <laughs> Hold on, I got I got an intro to this. <clears throat> the biggest debate raging in America currently is around gun. No, not that gun. Oh, this God. gun. The Picture director of, of yes, uh, this this really works best in the visual media, I suppose. <laughs> we should have had a vlog. Damn it, too late now. Um, yeah. The I I could not believe. I know I couldn't believe it either. Um, the most honestly, the one director who, with some sort of like you know, personal follow like 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 an actual cult following. Uh, who somehow managed to stick it out with Disney through two movies and was setting up to to stick it out for a third? Uh, he, he would fired. have been the only director to do do an entire you know a three oh, three oh. or more in a, in the same series. Yeah, MCU. because the, the Russo brothers have, but they jump from like cat the two Captain Americas, and then they are doing two Infinity Wars, two yeah. two sorry two, two Avengers. Avengers. And that's the thing. Um, so the first first Captain America wasn't them. Um, so then they did right. two and three, and then they did this infi- yeah. this Infinity War, and then Infinity War Part Two. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, it's suffice to say, directors don't tend to stick around this the Marvel series for very long. They, there's always, and it's never like a, a peaceable, you know, a, a you know, like hey, we we just want to do these movies and now we're done. It's always like some sort of falling out always seems to happen. Um, Usually over creative differences. However, that does not at all appear to be the case here. Although there ha- there are some theories that are totally conspiracy, but I'll just a- anyway I'll-, I'll mention them in a bit. But um, but Disney fired Gunn over t- tweets from I think 2008, right? Yeah, like um, a decade ago. But yeah, a decade ago uh, when you know Gunn was like you know an up and coming cult filmmaker. Um, kind of a provocateur, and he made some jokes in very bad taste um, about pedophilia, uh, rape. Um, I pretty don't much remember. those, I think. Pretty much that. Um, they weren't funny, but they were also like very clearly meant meant to be jokes. Um, he never well, clearly meant as as an attempt to like provoke people you know? i'm just trying to say yeah i'm just trying to say he this, these clearly did not reflect his own genuine opinions on like he's just trying to get a rise out of people right, yeah. exactly is the provocateur again they were still terrible jokes and that doesn't make them good however he and it doesn't make it okay to say those things not at all um but he did profusely apologize for it at the time and this was well before he was hired by disney disney knew about these um and before they hired him on they did they did i didn't know that <laughs> yeah um they're not saying as much but it got cov- like it got a significant amount of coverage back in the day like back then they knew who james gunn was when they brought him on uh but these times they are changing mike what sets what set sets this into like James talking politics during the movie's territory is the fact that these tweets were unearthed and I'm using the biggest air quotes ever by two alt-right figureheads who in retaliation for guns vocally anti-Trump views 
Um, and that's not me interpreting it that way. They literally threatened to do this, and then they did it, and then Disney completely bought into it and promptly fired Gunn. Yep. Over th- over over these tweets that he apologized for ten years ago, effectively kowtowing to alt right Infowars loving. <laughs> Or not loving, collaborating, uh, conspiracy theory spreading bigots. Um, and while at the same time leaving on, uh, you know, noted um, uh, wife beater, Johnny Depp, <laughs> as a, as a uh, star player, because they somehow for some reason think he's still relevant i think it was Lindsay ellis who was kind of like yes when is is johnny depp's actions going to catch up to him yes and i i I need to uh i I totally need to uh cop to this right now um my views basically mesh perfectly with with hers so i'm in in essence uh hopefully not verbatim i'm basically going to be parroting those views here because i agree 100 percent. well so i want to i want to bring up a few things um, that I think are worth talking about. And that's that there is a bit of... And I, I don't need to be really careful not to equivocate here. But I, I, am, I am surprised that the left has reacted in the way that they have. You mean in the this. sense where they seem to be willing to more or less uh, support... James Gunn being not fired for this? Yes, exactly. Like a lot yeah. of people are calling I'll, for him to. Like, I'll, I'll say I am too. I, I actually am too. I'll. I'll it's it's I'll, inconsistent, right? Because if this if these same exact tweets, yeah, were from someone on the right, mm-hmm. like change change nothing about them. Give and let, let him give the exact same statement before. Mm-hmm. These don't represent me. Blah blah blah. This was ten years ago. Like the left would have none of it, mm-hmm. and that's, that's worth talking about because we really. I I do think, and this is gonna come. This is gonna come up later. Spoiler alert! I do think the left really needs to reckon with what they find okay and when they find it okay. Um, yes, I'll 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 agree to that, with the caveat that that is also a broad statement, and we might have disagreements on like specifically where we draw the line well, um, yeah and, and and maybe i'll and maybe i'll go into that a bit with the next thing it's just like they're not okay but i do want to i do want to say the hypocrisy on the right is of course even greater because by their by their own by their own arguments right yeah they say that all the things that donald trump said and this goes back to of course you know the the, pussy the, the election yeah mm-hmm. um they they say oh he didn't mean those those were jokes therefore right. there should be no consequences right and if you think that then you cannot think that James Gunn should be fired now here's here's where I draw the line because you could throw that right back on me well, well why do you think that Trump should be in office because of the Trump tape because mm-hmm. I don't believe that for a second that Donald Trump didn't mean what he said there and was he no- was joking. He is a pig. He believes those things. He has acted that way. I don't believe it. 
right? <laughs> yeah. It, the, the, yeah, the difference is there's no – and they continue to do this, by the way, into the administration where anytime he says something like, oh, the, the president of China uh, it, it just made himself uh, president for life. We should have something like that here. Um, <laughs> then Sarah Sanders turns around and goes, oh, he was joking. Trump turns around and goes, oh, I was joking. Uh-huh. Without – any sort of sense that there was no context or um or uh presupposition of a joke of a joke yeah there's no context in which he's giving a joke um but it's a way for them to avert responsibility for anything at all that they say and i think that's the key here because i do also think i mean particularly when it's being talked about in the in the sense of just uh, words that are clearly intended to be a joke that go off really really badly, which these did even at the time. Yeah. Uh, he got negative press for that. Um, not with the intent of hurt. It, like I think intention. I, I think intent matters a lot, and I think how he responds to it matters a lot. And both then and now he expressed genuine remorse and was sorry. And I know we've criticized apologies before, but A, he said the words, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he didn't try and... Not like Louis C.K. <laughs> he didn't try and pull any sort of like, I'm sorry you felt that way, or I'm sorry that... You know, basically put the onus on people who were offended rather than saying that, hey, I fucked up. Yeah, and that's really um, what it did. It was a complete, you know, heel tone yeah. saying it. And, got me, right? And... Other than the fact that the jokes were bad and not funny and, you know, very offensive, um, he didn't clearly go out with the intention of hurting somebody. It's not like, I don't know, I feel like it's wrong to equivocate with, like, someone who is accused of sexual assault or um, or even misconduct. Oh, yeah, it's not like... He's- He's not a Me Too guy, right? He's he's not going out with the intention of causing harm. I he miss he was, you know, a provocateur, and he wanted to say shit that was like sort of like he basically was making an attempt at shock comedy. It went off terribly. He apologized. I I don't think that you need to accept or validate the jokes. They're not good. I also don't think James Gunn thinks you do either. He. Like I feel like in this case, what the way he responded is enough to say like, okay, well, yeah, you shouldn't have made those tweets. They weren't funny. They were hurt. They were hurtful to many people. Um, but you're expressing genuine remorse, and you know we can collectively forgive him and allow him to continue to have a film career. Like I. <laughs> I I think, and I haven't really heard a strong case for him being blacklisted because I just I, I don't know. I feel like there's to do that A, it removes all sort of like nuance and caveat from really any sort of any sort of derivative behavior or any kind of uh, perverse behavior like 
we basically are drawing a zero tolerance policy with any sort of transgressive language whatsoever, which I, I think is going too far. Well, and that's and, what I, that's what I was really criticizing at the start. That's like it seems like we had established this, like the right. way that I've seen these stories come out before. We had established a zero tolerance policy. This doesn't fly under any circumstances. And yeah. now a lot of people on the left are kind of saying, "Well, you know, it kind of does fly." But but the thing is, though, I, well, and I think there's I, room for discussion there. Right. But, but that's but, not you know, that's not the discussion that we were having before. That's like, fair. That's true. We're not. We we didn't really. I, I think you know once the the Weinstein stuff broke and that sort of flood the floodgates opened up and all of the uh you know it was revealed the degree to which people are abused and mistreated and debased in Hollywood. Um, you know the the outrage and the shock were so overwhelming that it it never felt it never felt uh you know relevant to sort of step back and say when do we draw the line and say that's not that's not enough to get someone blacklisted from hollywood um and i i feel like there was a bit of that with uh the aziz ansari story um because i some people and there is a lot of and continues to be a lot of disagreement over that um and and who is in the right or wrong there um i think that that was kind of the beginnings of it but there was never a comp you're right there was never a comprehensive like analysis of okay what do we consider if not okay then not worthy of complete blacklisting yeah exactly but i uh, and again i'm aping Lindsay ellis here but i think the potentially the most dangerous element of this though is that it basically feeds into this right-wing method that they are getting really good at manipulating where you know they realize that the left is really holding people accountable mm-hmm. um, and for their for their words and actions and the right does not mm-hmm. at all so if they want to destroy a person on the left's career all they have to do is whip out something like this from from 10 years ago uh, a series of ill-advised tweets and that's enough to get the director of one of the most lucrative franchises in the movie world fired in a matter of hours there was no deliberation on it disney just did it yeah they they acted immediately mm-hmm. and that that's giving that's giving right wing uh <laughs> right wing figures a lot of power to influence who gets to make movies and i'm not cool with that at all well no yeah and i mean there's also i think the time element is another thing too right like this wasn't an action it was these were bad jokes right he didn't it's it's not something like like kevin spacey like oh this happened forever ago but it was still really fucking awful (laughs) like it was it was a bad joke right (laughs) whereas something like like roseanne Barr, it's like that that just happened like she she just did this yeah this wasn't oh we dug up a tweet from 10, 10 years ago where she said the n-word it's like no she just did you it didn't need to you could see it right there yeah. um and and yeah she faced consequences but like the we had a tape of someone admitting in no context that would suggest a joke or humor uh to 
sexually assaulting women, and he's now the president of the United States. They do, like this is a gross discrepancy of in in terms of the standards that we hold public figures to, and I think that's what people on the left are so frustrated about is that they are basically that we hold people on the left so accountable for their words and actions that this can happen and people on the right hold uh, are held to such a low standard that admitting sexual assault is not enough to get you disqualified from the presidency and it's really hard to know what to do about that but it's it, it especially harmful when a company like Disney that professes to have you know egalitarian and you know anti you know fascist sentiments uh, kind of just kowtows into this or sorry it just caves to this pressure and and fires James Gunn over this I think that's what they push to rehire James Gunn or what the uh the outrage about firing him is really all about. I think it comes down to the fact that basically there's no way to combat this, especially if big companies like Disney are going to go along with it, uh, other than for the left to not hold uh, public figures accountable for their words and actions in the same way that the uh, people on the right do. And that's just not an option. Yeah, I mean, um, well, that's, about, that's why I said, like, they, we, they, we really need to reckon with it. We need yeah. to yeah. sort of draw some lines. We yeah. need to talk about that because, like, it's difficult to see to see what where you're coming from, right? Mm-hmm. When when you say this is okay, but this isn't. Why? Because you like the guy? Because that's what it seems like. <laughs> it seems yeah. like because you like James Gunn. That's why. Because if if as I said, the put these exact same tweets with no with in the exact same apology. With the exact same time period, time you know, in the words of someone like like Ted Cruz or or Sean Hannity or something, we're calling for his head. That's what we're doing. We're mm-hmm. not not his job, you know, his head. Yeah, put him in the stocks. Like that's what we on the left would do to yeah, but to also, someone someone on on the right. Yes, but also, like, I don't know. There is a clear. I I agree. It has not been universally decided upon or really talked about in a comprehensive way. But I do. I think I I'm. I feel there's been a bit more consistency than you're giving it credit for. Just because, like, uh, you know, when when like for example, the Al Franken scandal broke, right? Sure. Um, there was definitely uh, a fair. There were definitely a fair number of people on the left uh, who were upset that. Uh, Franken was basically being urged by Senate Democrats to resign because of this, given how much more severe, uh, you know, and how many more claims of misconduct and assault there were against the president and other figures on the on the right, and they just felt it was an unfair double standard. But that that did seem to be pretty pretty much a minority as from my perspective it seemed like most people were really of the opinion that he should resign over that because if we're going to you know if the left is going to claim to have any sort of moral high ground they need to put their money where their mouth is and hold p- 
people on the left accountable. Although, um, this this all does make me make me kind of chuckle because I I now remember when uh, when the right tried to get traction out of out of Obama calling Kanye West a jackass. Did they really? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he was like recorded calling Kanye West a jackass. No, I, I remember like, that. <gasps> I remember that recording where that was the right really aggrieved by that. Yeah. No, they were. It, it's like. It's like a, it was it was a story about, you know, the oh about Obama and his, you know, uh, being his being unfit for the office and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, it's such different times, man. The sad, like, the no one is, would blink if, if Donald Trump called someone, called a, someone jackass. a jackass. Like, no, I'm... He could do it at a press conference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. He, he could do it. He could say that about Bob Mueller in front of a camera live on a Facebook stream and, <laughs> and obviously the left would do what all what, what they always do and the right would continue outrage 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 outrage, outrage and nothing would happen yeah. at all um, and, you know it's sad though that, that probably wouldn't even make my list of top five most ridiculous uh, Obama stories <laughs> true that's like I an think- honorable mention I think terrorist fist jab is always going to be my number one. Terrorist fist bump. Oh, a man. Terrorist fist jab? Hmm? I love her delivery. She's like hmm? so... A terrorist fist jab? This is what the, the ISIS is doing. You know, they're, they're fist you know, bumping now. I, I, I know because we have plants. We have people in ISIS. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's move on from talking politics in the movie and move on. Oh, fuck. God damn it. We're stuck. <laughs> We're stuck. We're stuck forever. Sorry to bother you. Um, it it's, is just came out. Um, it's it's it, it was uh, directed by a first time director, Booster, but a written time, and directed a long time rapper and uh, social critic, Boots Riley. Yeah, and then the premise is very simple, if a little uh, out there. <laughs> um, oh, just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, premise being a a telemarketer. Working in a in alternate present uh, United States, where uh, to he he doesn't have initial success telemarketing, but then he gets a tip to use his white voice, where he then takes on the voice of David Cross, who is that white bald guy with glasses from <laughs> from from everything <laughs> from everything that you've seen a white bald guy with glasses in. I mean, mostly that's, that's, he was that's always him. Mostly he blew himself. You probably know him best yeah. for blueing himself. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Which means he was technically in uh, uh, Infinity War. That's true. Yeah, he had. There was a blue ray. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, bringing it back. Bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in that itself, when I saw the when I saw the trailer, of course, I I feel like I, I knew what I was what I was getting, in that this is a movie about how uh, black people, in order to succeed in America, need to sort of act white. Right, and that's what that's what society accepts, and that's potent commentary in, in today, and it would have gone over just fine. And then what the fuck happened in uh, this movie? Uh, I'll tell you what happened, James. Um, it was what I it was for me what I think Get Out was for most of America. Uh, I'm with you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Because, like, I, and I still really like Get Out, but the uh, like uh, this is 
the revolutionary take on racing class in America that I wanted to see from Get Out. Like, I, I feel like it was one, uh, it was one very strong uh, point about, you know, not being in a post-racial America, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, it played it off really well, and it told a clean, straightforward narrative. Um, within the context of like, you know, uh, an off kilter horror comedy and you know, it was good. And it introduced the term the sunken place into our parlance. And, uh, it to actually though, in, in relation to something like this, it really played it safe. And I, <laughs> which is something I, I've been accusing of it all along, but, uh, that's okay. I, I never disagreed with that. I disagreed with how they treated the, uh, how they treated the end was safe. Anyway. Um, <laughs> See, I'm but, just saying that I don't think that Sorry to Bother You lets people off the hook the way that Get Out did. Um, and, but I still think that people will think it does. <laughs> here's the thing. Um, Get Out tries to blows every, blow everyone's mind by introducing the notion of the sucking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry to Bother You starts with the notion that, motherfucker, we're already there. <laughs> the sucking place. We've been there. And, Sorry, I was taking a drink of water. No, that's fine. And just runs with it into <laughs> the most batshit third act I've seen in a movie in a long time. Like, it's one of, this is one of those, like, how on earth did this get greenlit oh, type of things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the first movie in a while where it honestly felt like... And, and actually, and I will say this, I have... It gave me a lot of hope, and this might sound weird at first, but gave me a lot of hope when I realized this was not made by A24. Um, the reason I say that is because it proved to me that studios other, that, that movies like this can be made at studios other than A24. Oh, yeah. I, I sort of just understood that this isn't uh, A24, but Annapurna has also been doing some really good stuff they, in, they in, that, in the A24 vein. They, right? totally they, did, they did Phantom Thread, they did Detroit. It's sausage party, I guess. Totally, but like this is—I don't know. I just found it very reassuring that, like, clearly, I think A twenty four made a movie like this possible. Just in just by, you know, you can make something like Swiss Army Man. You can make, you can make. Sorry to bother you. Like, I think, (laughs) I, I think that notion of just insanely, uh like esoteric audience alienating passion projects can be made and they can be lucrative. This is already made it basically made its money back three times. Yeah. Already. Um, like, and that's not a lot. I think it's what, like about, uh, was it like 10, 10 million, something like that. Something like that. Um, that's fine. They made this for 3 million. (laughs) It's good. It's lucrative enough. Um, but, holy shit is this movie going to piss off a lot of people um <laughs> you know i didn't hear the jeers i was expecting um, I, I, I was I, expecting something like it comes at night level like jeers i heard people walking out like i mean at the end of the movie no one walked out during because i think they were just like transfixed but people were walking out at the end being like what the fuck was that like clearly oh yeah they were that was not they what had, they expected no clearly feeling that they had been like basically that the rug had been pulled out from under them in the final third. Um, and I, 
I think I just admire the guts that it takes because like everyone making that movie knows that's a huge like that's you're just asking to alienate at least half your audience with the twist uh the ultimate reveal that happens in this movie um and, well, I mean, and for the no longer take it seriously at all but for, like for me that was the moment the movie sold me i'm like oh okay it's got its money where its mouth is yeah i mean i was i was sold before that um because yeah. it was already playing at some at playing at some different themes that i wasn't expecting and that i as as a, a crabby anti-establishment socialist was really uh drawn to and yeah uh, this sort of a, like leads into my our, my central point in that I just think people are gonna miss miss the point entirely. And I and I read a review I can't remember where from. It sort of started off by saying like, oh, Boots Riley could win the the Democratic nomination, which essentially plays into the idea that celebrities should be politicians. Well, no, no, the idea that this is a this is an anti right, anti Trump, anti conservative movie. Ah. And oh God! I, I see. Really, I didn't get that at all. No, and that's the thing that people are really like t- running with that. Uh, from what I see, like people are like, "Yeah, this is like this is the biting criticism we we need," you know, in the Trump era. And you know, I, I kept thinking back to something that that um, uh, uh, Jordan Peele said. Yes, Jordan Peele, director of mm-hmm. Get, get Out. out. <laughs> that Jordan Peele said uh, on a commentary when he was. Because they almost put in like a line about Trump, like at the end bit when he gets mm-hmm. when he gets back into the car, um, they almost put a line in about Trump, and he was like, you know, I didn't want. I decided ultimately decided against it because while the movie is, I guess, fundamentally anti-Trump, mm-hmm. it's also anti something a lot bigger than Trump. Yeah, and that's and what that, sorry to bother you nails entirely because exactly like, yeah. more than anything else, like yeah, you're right. The a lot of like it is there that this movie is has an has a fundamentally anti-conservative value because conservatives believe in this like fo- phony egalitarian society where yeah. all, all people are created equal and they just have to work really hard and, and get it yeah you're right that it is anti that yeah but more than anything else it's anti-establishment and you know what is the sta- establishment fucking democrats the well, fucking democratic party well, ne- well neolibs yeah exactly like, well, and let's and let's say too like what's the like this movie is does uh you know wave its wag its finger at the at the the capitalist system but but what does it also wag its finger at people who play the game mm-hmm. people who aren't out in the streets saying saying this isn't right you need to pay us more you need to provide us with benefits like you know when when uh, when cash cash is green the main character and i think that's the first time i've said his name in this review it but is. um when when he you know starts to get promoted to you know to a power collar, like that's painted in the movie as a bad thing. Like you are playing into the system. Whereas like establishment Democrats, and I'm gonna say it, like Hillary Clinton, they see that as success. Oh, you beat the, you did it. You 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 beat will, the game. Well, the notion. I mean, that's kind of the notion, right? That with the ad like the emergence of neoliberalism in the like post you know in the 90s on post bill clinton era of uh-huh. the party um you know fundamentally there's an underlying uh, conviction that the uh, uh, the free market will ultimately um provide an ethical uh <laughs> will, will ultimately act ethically toward workers 
And that's why even within the Democratic Party, there have been huge movements to undermine unions, undermine workers' rights, undermine collective bargaining. Um, and uh, it, it revamp the prison system, which is uh, which is subtly commented on. <laughs> basically, basically, to forsake values and and uh, issues that have been traditionally the most populist areas of the democratic platform in favor of kowtowing to mainly uh, like Silicon Valley companies, new up and coming startups that for some, I feel like there's been, and obviously movies have laid into them before, but there's always this underlying idea that they are ultimately, yeah, like you were saying, egalitarian, that they have that they have an ultimate desire to treat everyone fairly and to make a a more safe and sustainable world and that we just need to let them roam free and uh and everyone will be fine and all and and employees won't be dehumanized at all or reduced to only their labor at all and i think that's ultimately the biggest villain of this movie is the that sort of modern anti-workers rights uh sentiment in addition to the actual like personified villain in this i don't mean yeah yeah i mean that's why when i see things like when i see like establishment democrats like really loving this movie i was like no this movie isn't for you this movie's for me i'm the crappy bernie sanders supporter right this is my movie you get out of here get the fuck out of my movie and well and the thing is though there were also like so many little touches that to me like this movie has nothing to do directly with Trump, but it, and like you said, it's about something so much bigger and like Jordan Peele said, um, but yeah, it's really me. If you think about it, it's really me. Yeah. Um, but there are, there's little touches that, that, you know, really resonated. Uh, like one of the newspaper headlines, uh, it's such a quick moment, but it's like one of my favorite in the movie, the newspaper headline says why you should be afraid of, uh, what was the company name in this? Uh, worry free. Worry free. Why? Yeah. Why you should worry about worry free, and like that to me is such a Trump era headline. Uh-huh. Where it's like, yeah, you should be upset about this. You should, uh, you know, this is a bad thing. But ultimately, it's such a like, it's such an ineffective gesture to get people riled up and to get them to you know, buy your paper and read your article, um, that it's ultimately useless. There's a great line in this that I'm going to butcher where, uh, you know, basically the, uh, two of the striking workers just tell cash, like you can present people a problem, but if you don't give them a viable way to address it, they're just learn to live with the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a little bit of commentary in that too. And let's just let's just spoil the territory. It turn and it turns into, well, it turns out that uh, these the people behind uh, behind Regal View, which is the the company, are are turning people. No, no, no. Regal View is not turning people into horses. Well, it's a it's a company behind Regal View, right? Because Regal View is working for well, Worry Free. They are they are providing contracts. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So worry free. Anyway, they're turning people into horses. They're turning people into horses, which I viewed at the horror of this movie as, and this is where I'm, where I'm, where I know I'm overstepping. But I was like, oh, you're turning people into Democrats, <laughs> establishment, I, I, equi- I, 
equestrian creatures. James, those are completely different genuses, and I... (laughs) Personally, I just viewed it like a horse being like... I mean, if you want the traditional... Yeah, like, well, the traditional animal that has basically been of use to human civilization specifically for the the work that it produces, not for companionship or, like, emotional attachment, but just for... The, the the grunt work it provides to horse and that's the thing he he reveal he reveals this um by completely debasing himself um on this stupid tv show called i got the shit kicked out of me oh my god um and you get <laughs> the opportunity in- to reveal it so it's a huge scandal that and this is a little bit of commentary in the trump era where you can somehow turn scandals into positive things um and you know, because and then rather than rather than completely taking down worry free, worry free stock reaches an all time high. <laughs> the the, found, the founder uh, Steve Lift, great name. The names in this are amazing, by the way. Cash Green. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, he he's not not only is his stock rock you know skyrocketing, he's getting all this press um about it, but he's being hailed as a messiah because of the. <laughs> Yeah, they figured out how to turn people into horses, man. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what's insane is, like, whereas maybe, like, five years ago, that would have seemed, like, ridiculous and cartoonish and caricaturish, I honestly, it did not seem that out of left field. Like, that didn't seem that unbelievable to me. People into horses, I think they do it. (laughs) That there's, like, this initial shock and, and outrage, and then eventually it either dies down and no one cares anymore, or people just kind of learn to to rationalize it as a as an asset and it works well and and right before this is probably my favorite line in the movie that really like really hit the nail on the head for the theme is is right before he realizes it is because he's like he's told by mr blank because they beep out his name every time yep, yep. Uh, um he's told by mr blank no 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 james 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 he doesn't want to go by mr blank he goes by mr blank oh sorry my bad so sorry, mr that's... blank um <laughs> Tell tells Cash Green like oh, okay um what's what's Army Hammer's name Steve 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 Lift Steve Lift wants to see you you know downstairs blah 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 and he he can kind of tell that he's I guess he can kind of tell that Cash Green is kind of second guessing himself second guessing his decision doesn't know if he likes what he's doing especially in the wake of this like violent union strike and you know he tells he tells Cash. We don't we don't cry about the shit that should be. We just thrive in the shit that is. Yes, yeah. And I'm like, bam. My, that's, my second that's anti-establishment. My second favorite line in the movie, other than the uh, the the one that I paraphrased a second ago. Oh. Like you know who thrives in the shit that that is Democrats. <laughs> oh my god, James. I'm so bad. <laughs> I've never been. A, I've never been a crabbier socialist than after I watched I, this movie. I, you are very crabby. See, like I, 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 we had very similar interpretations. I guess I didn't view it so much as speci- <laughs> specifically directed toward establishment Democrats. It just definitely included them in its, it, in its ire. Like no, I honestly think like that's the target. Like yeah, so I okay that, that like and, and maybe not like he was taking it. aim at Democrats, but he was taking aim at anyone who is complicit in the system that that dehumanizes workers. And that's yes. Democrats, baby. That's overwhelmingly conservatives, even more so though. Like No, I, it, it it is. It is. But again, it, since it since it like, specifically takes aim at those complicit in it, not those that 
that are true. No, I mean, I, I say not necessarily the, those are who are behind it, who created the system, but anyone who is like sure. doing it. That's why they. That's why they take the time to really say like, okay, Cash Green, you know, this is what you're doing is also part of the problem. Yes, and, and well, that's probably the most revolutionary aspect of this movie, um, because okay, so. Actually, the film I was contrasting it with the most while I was watching it was a film we both hate passionately, uh, God Bless America. Oh, um, we hate that movie. We hate it. And I realized that part of it, there's many reasons why we hate it, and we've talked about it before. Part of why I hate it is that ultimately it it kind of plays into the same game that, sorry to bother you, absolutely takes the town and, and, and eviscerates, which is that you can be disgruntled with society and with the system, but ultimately what it does and why it's so resilient and effective is that it just turns you against, it turns you against people who you're supposed to be allied with. Yeah. It, it, it you take aim at the victims rather than the people perpetuating the system. And that's exactly what happens to clay, but the film's aware this is happening and that it's a bad thing that <laughs> assume that, you know, while he tentatively takes part in the initial, protest and the beginnings of the strike for for i liked i liked how you could see on his face that he was actually getting caught up in it right 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 he was he he like goes into it uh uh, detroit his uh his girlfriend looks back at him there there because he was very trepidatious about it. he's looking at the gold elevator and i'm like oh shit he's gonna like ruin the whole thing he's gonna wreck the solidarity he does it but then they bring him in offer him this cushy new job and suddenly he's out of there he's done He's no longer allied with them. And that's the thing. You, you give one person what they, what they want and turn them against the, I'm going to use Mark's terms now, the proletariat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you win. That's how the system perpetuates itself. Um, and I just, I don't think I'd ever actually seen, I, I guess I just, there, it's been a while, if ever, where a, a film an American film really took class issues as its main subject. And obviously with a lot of racial, uh, with a lot of racial theory in there as well. Um, probably more, you know, probably just as dominant, but this really seemed to understand the notion of, of class and how workers rights are continually subverted and belittled and undermined in this country. Yeah, definitely, and I think, as I said, my 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 own, my big takeaway is that sorry to bother you. D- despite again, this whole like workers thing is something I did not expect whatsoever. No, I, not at all. Um, but once it, once I was really meeting it at that level, I was I was thinking like it would have been so easy for sorry to bother you to just be like, yeah, you know, to have a- everybody to have everybody on that on that side, you know, to be like, okay, it's a, it's this this greedy capitalist corporate system that is that is keeping us down and we're going to fight against it right um but it didn't it 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 was it took the time to say like we're not doing enough like yeah yeah the solution is always organization and solidarity and even then it's it's always a struggle (laughs) it's it's always belittling the structure that's been imposed upon them that dehumanizes and belittles them as just as people. Um, yeah, and you got to round up all your little horse buddies and you got to take it to the motherfucker. Okay. And apparently the answer is that, yeah, we just have to turn enough of the lower classes into horses. And then we just <laughs> s- 
storm them. We just like fucking beat them up because we're fucking horses with well, yeah, human I mean, brains. It's sort of a, a thing like that, you know, the, the system that tries to keep us powerless ultimately gives us the power, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're workers. If we walk, yeah. it's over. Yeah. There's no work. Yeah. So uh, suffice to say, I, I took issue with very little of anything that was actually in the movie. Um, oh, do- real quick. Yes. Real quick, put a pin in your point. I sure. loved the 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 uh, scene where Army Hammer has him rap. Oh my God! The scene that, that, was, that was like that we cannot repeat now. But no, we so, can't. No, especially not in the so, James Gunn wake. But no, not at all. But it, it, but that is just so brilliant. Yeah, it's I mean, the, it's like it's, it's essentially like he can't give them a rap, so he gives them. He tells them exactly verbatim what they want, what they want to hear. It's. <laughs> It's, it's the best dance monkey scene I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Oh, that came out more racial than I intended. That was okay. Fuck. Well, I mean, I think I think that, that was it. It's, I think that the phrase itself is racial has you know racial intent. So does does it really? I've, I I always see it referred like I always see it referring to like an actual monkey, which is how I like. Like there's like a an organ grinder and a monkey dances. That's a. Anyway, I didn't intend for that. Anyway, okay. All right, well, you can't direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Let's just get uh, that out of the way. Fine. I was going to do some weird shit with it. <laughs> that was... You were going to turn Drax into a horse, weren't you? <laughs> Fuck. Who told you? <laughs> also, that was like kind of a reference to Guardians 2, because um, when he like gets his god powers, then he go like, I'm going to do some weird shit. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, I, I do kind of feel like that was James Gunn when he got the co- Guardians contract in the first place. Like, I'm going to do some weird shit. <laughs> anyway. I wonder where those god powers were in Infinity War. Whatever. Yeah, Neither what the here f- nor there. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, I took issue with very little that was in the film. But did you feel, James, as I kind of do that this is a brilliant genius movie but without an ending um because I, I do i kind of feel like i feel like this is a great movie that just ends and i wasn't really satisfied by the ending that is fair although i think the i think to me the message was clear and that's like rise up Right. Well, the message, you know, the message. Sees the means of production type of thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. The, the message was clear, but it didn't seem to offer. I don't know. I guess that, even in and of itself, seemed a little dishonest because, you know, in a film that seems to be so prescient and, and aware of the ways that the system perpetuates itself, um, while at the same time, you know, remaining optimistic that workers can have efficacy and can affect change. It, it just seems like it lets them off the hook. Like, it, it, that... Yeah. Basically, the, it ends too easily for them. You know, I think I might bring in a, a, a strange comparison. Do it. I guarantee you, you will not see coming. Okay. Um, and that is Isle of Dogs. You know, I didn't... It makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, when Isle of Dogs ends, like, it ends on sort of this really strange note because power has been seized. 
Yes. And what does he do with it immediately afterwards? Doesn't he like outlaw cats? Yeah, it, it, yeah. So and and a- it's sort of like it leaves that there as a, is this okay? You know, right. and, it, and it opens right. up this can of worms, and that's all it had to do, right? To yes. to really make that ending was to say, like, okay, yeah, you seize power, but now we have like this huge power vacuum, right? This this kid in charge who is already doing dubious things with it, like he's not seeking equality, like he would have suggested. Yeah. Hmm. It it, it gives you a lot to chew on while because, feeling resolved. Because power, right? Because power always perpetuates some negative quality like there's there's always a downside there's always you know power always corrupts to some degree um there's always some sort of conflict in the future and and i feel like you know not that this movie needed to like it would take an entire other movie or series <laughs> of movies in order to get into that but i but feel it like also it just asks the question like i love dogs did right it's like in this yeah ends where it's like okay he they rise up and they ostensibly kill uh lift steve lift um yeah. and then yeah right it doesn't I, ask I, that yeah. question it, right it doesn't open that can of worms i just feel like it you know for for a yeah for a film that's so clear-eyed about the situation that american workers face today or really any worker in a you know global tech marketplace um it just it seems like it ends and this is a weird thing to say about an ending that is literally horsemen beat like killing a man and mowing down a mob of 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 uh fucking bourgeois bourgeois the swat team. <laughs> the swat team yeah um just mowing down people but it ends too neatly and it's a weird thing to say about it but i, I think it does it just in contrast with the rest of the film it seemed unsatisfactory to me um, and that's that's fair, you know. As you know, discussing it more, I didn't really think of that first because I was just like, ha ha ha. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. but yeah, actually, you know, thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. uh that is that is important. Yeah. Um, I was gonna. I I I realize I missed the ball on this, but I, I'm kind of bummed because I was gonna open the discussion by just saying, you know, I um, I'm I'm a little disappointed. You know, I just think this movie was too predictable. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who didn't know where that was going? Who didn't see horse? I mean, I really love how much this, how much this movie, how many different things, too, that the, that Sorry to Bother You, like, bites off without right. doing injustice to any of them. You know? I know. Um, yeah. I, I love Tessa Thompson, her, both her performance and her, her character. I love the part where she is doing an art show like debasing herself and Cassius Green doesn't understand it only to immediately afterwards do that that dance monkey scene you were talking yep. about yep <laughs> he's like and why I'll, would you do that now let me go do that <laughs> let me go do that right now and that was brilliant also though this movie it beat me because apparently that was an extended reference to a movie I, the one that I think she names and I had never heard of it and I still don't get the reference I, boy, I this is over my head, friend. It, no, I know, but I'm just. It beat me. This movie beat me. But but I mean, you're you leave me hanging. It's a what movie? What is it? I don't get it. 
Oh, it's uh, what what movie did you say? It's like the uh, it's like the Golden Dragon or something. I don't. Huh. Know. Anyway, well, um, got me there. Um, also, no, I know, I know. I just, I just uh, this. Uh, sorry to bother you. Is is not short on its its very very subtle commentary on the prison system. Oh God, <laughs> which is the the wor- worry free and that they do. Uh, they allow people to essentially submit themselves to indentured servitude, um, you know, where in exchange for three hots and a cot, as they say in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It's like you you will get fed, you will get a place to sleep, and those worries will be gone. And in exchange, you will work for nothing for for life. <laughs> uh huh. It's like, oh, you mean like like prison? <laughs> yes. Or or let's take another another leap that they mentioned slavery <laughs> slavery just out and out that was that's the most common comparison well yeah um, especially too because like the, a lot of a lot of a lot is made about how many slaves willingly went back into servitude after because they didn't have anywhere else to go and that, that's like see just, well, it wasn't that bad <laughs> this is all there this is all they're born to do it's divine it's like no that's all they fucking could do to not that's, die <laughs> Yes. And that's because um, of you, you jackass. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, it's The Last Dragon. That's the movie, The Last Dragon. She Oh, one of my one of my favorites. I love Of the course. Last of course. Dragon. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh man, but uh, there are all kinds of movie references in this that I missed. Uh Putney Swope, which is also has a character black protagonist speak in a white voice. <laughs> um Yeah, that's uh Yeah, it's a uh, it's a hodgepodge of, of, of film references that at the same time don't stand out so much. Uh, also, fun fun little tidbit, uh, the uh, Detroit's white voice, which uh, I, I thought that was just Tessa Thompson speaking in a British accent. Uh, it is not. Uh, that was actually Lily James. Lily James, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> it, it, it sounded like it was something that she could do, that she could make right. that voice. So I remember thinking, I was like, but I, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is someone else <laughs> yeah yeah Lily James rising star mm-hmm. from that movie uh, that we we are contractually obligated to never talk about again because we don't want to get fired uh which oh yep nope nope that's right we can't uh can't do that can't talk Every, about that movie anymore Oh, wait, no, no, we can talk about it sound mixing and sound editing. Thanks, I was like, thanks a lot, Because it was nominated for those. It's like, thanks a lot, Kevin Spacey. But <laughs> yeah, there's there no actors in it, and no writing, no direction. Um, just sound design and editing. Yes. And cool. no, not, not even actual editing. Not anyway, even... It did, it did get a, a best editing uh, Oscar nom. Oh, thank God. Okay, well, that's yeah, good. So editing, sound mixing. So there was a good editor. There okay. was some good sound mixing and good sound, sound editing. And, and that, no one else. No one else. Nothing else happened in that movie <laughs> nope I, I will say too there's a uh, so there's a long debate in academia um, and, and I'm not going to use terms like uh, neolib because like that's not that's not uh, an academic term or anything but basically of like you know uh, you know uh, people who people who specialize in like class theory and Marxism, uh, and people who you know study like you know gender studies, queer studies, uh, you know black African American history, um, racial theory, 
And these two groups are like, actually, a lot of times, despite the fact that they're both like, you know, considered leftists, um, they're always on each other's throats because it seems, for some reason, it always seems like they are unable to incorporate each other's uh, like political philosophies into one another. Like like, uh, uh, Marxist theory, uh, the allegations that Marxist theory tends to uh, neglect talking about, you know, things like feminism or race theory. Um, And uh, then the Marxist group turns around and accuses, uh, you know, uh, feminists and uh you know uh you know racial advocates and all all them for kind of being like you know bougie and uh you know wanting just like more diversity in the workplace and like more women and people of color in high positions but without really addressing the fundamental problems of capital and worker debasement and it's funny because in such an entertaining and lively and unique way this film Combines both of these principles. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it, I mean, a, a word I heard run around about about sorry to bother you is is that word that people hate that conservatives hate intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it is though. It it does it. It's a it's a pro workers, frankly, a Marxist story, but also with a keen awareness of the experience of being black in America and in, uh-huh. in workplace. Um, which, yeah, I don't, that's just amazing in and of itself, but especially because it was presented in a film that is so, that, that honestly to me never feels like a lecture. It never feels uh, like, like it's, like it's preaching. It feels, it's so ebullient and fun and well, fun, not really well, that's the wrong word, but it's the turn of people into horses, man. That's going to be fun to be had. It's, oh, come on, James! It was a real. It made me real giddy. Up. <laughs> I, hate you. And I, I hate don't want to be a naysayer or anything, but, I hate, but that oh, wasn't funny. You. Hey, get it? Because horses eat hay. Uh, God, I'm okay, I'm done. But I, I also I want to I want to go back to James Gunn. Because there's something I needed to say, and this is sort of like fueled my idea that that hey, the, Jay, I the left is sort of acting inconsistently here, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like all these, uh, like the first story I read on this was like, oh, James got fired over over offensive tweets, blah blah blah. So I'm reading the story, and I'm like, okay, well, well, show me the tweets, like link link me to the tweets, where where are yeah. these tweets? I had to I had to go to i think it was my but my third no no it was only just today it was just today before recording that i actually saw the tweets that he made they were that hard to find and you know where i found it on fucking ted cruz's twitter account like oh god it took it took me going to ted cruz's twitter account to find the tweets and i'm just thinking to myself man you know if these were tweets from Donald Trump, from Ted Cruz, from anywhere else, they would be the fucking header image, not a picture of Ted Cruz smiling, like the yeah. story I saw James Cunn. Like, like <laughs> people just don't want to. They're like, yeah, they, he tweeted some offended, offensive things, mm-hmm. but they were ten years ago. <laughs> I'm, like, 
like you're not even you're not even willing to come out and say what he did wrong you know it's like come on oh yeah like like I, in, in that like i'm a journalist first and i will always say that that is some bias i look i i think in the trump era it is a huge misconception that like criticizing the techniques of certain news outlets is tantamount <laughs> to belittling the free press or thinking that it shouldn't exist I know I hate that. I'm like, don't get me wrong, Donald Trump. CNN is garbage. <laughs> yeah, but but fuck you. You, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you don't get to equivocate. Like it's, I hated not, how they co-opted the term not, fake news. It's not garbage because they don't like you. In fact, I actually don't think that CNN dislikes Trump enough because <laughs> I think they're more than willing to just to use him for ratings. Oh yeah, they they probably they, got him elected, Mike. They probably yes, I know. It, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I yeah, I'm just saying. So it's <laughs> like if you if you if you're reading stories about James Gunn's offensive tweets and you can't find them, go to Ted Cruz's Twitter account because that's apparently the only place where they fucking are on the internet. No one wants to talk about it. Yep. Wait, no, don't go to Ted Cruz. Just, just, don't. <laughs> just trust yeah. us. Believe what we say. No, and I saw another one from Forbes. It's like James Gunn fired by Disney. Is that legal? What? Yes. What of course fuck? it is. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> What? Yes, a, a thousand percent. It's. What are you talking about? Why are you? Why are you asking that question? Oh, like no one was like Roseanne Barr fired by ABC. Can Is that legal? That? Can you do that? Yes. Jesus. See, I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm trying my best not to equivocate here, but y'all are being inconsistent as fuck, and I, I don't like I, it. Okay. And you're right, but I think it's not so much about getting upset that there's not more outrage over James Gunn is the solution. I think I think calling for consistency is a good thing, obviously, yeah. but I, I I think maybe take this time to assess how, like you were saying, assess how and why we react to outrageous comments and tweets and statements from people on the right um and and why one is okay and the other isn't because i do think there's a a, a solid uh I, I think there's a sound way to answer that we just have been kind of inarticulate on it because we're more than happy to finger point and uh and decry and uh you know to demonize someone first and to ju justify it later and that's in no way me saying that a lot of people who have been blacklisted and alienated uh, don't deserve it. But yeah, I think of course not. And that's what I'm thinking. I don't think we shouldn't let Trump off the hookup for the Trump tape for, for the Trump tapes. No, we not at all. We, you know, we shouldn't. You know, oh, remember, remember what got like Milo Yiannopoulos? Why people stopped caring about him? Pet pedophile jokes. It, it wasn't not, a pedophile no. joke, and that's that's probably he, that's the difference. That's that right. Important. He just he, he just out and out said out and out said that it's okay for for it's okay to have sex with post-pubescent minors mm -hmm. yeah. say that then their past puberty is not pedophilia and no uh, would suggest a joke no i mean it was it it, it absolutely was not a joke they, it is a full conversation that was recorded as part of a podcast where, oh, he, where he wow. said this and and when he defended it when when he explained it afterwards he 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 essentially restated his point you know like so, no 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 you misunderstand <laughs> I, I just didn't want you to think I was crazy. 
<laughs> don't act like one of them. You're not. Uh, um, I, I love that line so much. It's sorry to bother you when Army Hammer, when he's saying it's like, oh, no, yeah, I, just, yeah, I yeah. wanted to tell right. you just uh, that we're turning people into horses. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I still want you to think I was fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm just like, like no, no, no. We, we're using them for labor. Actually, just thank you for bringing that up because I think Army Hammer did such an amazing job in this. I love Army Hammer, man. <laughs> Plays it just right. Like it is goofy. It's over the top, but like. Holy crap, does he sell me as someone who legitimately, like, does not see the wrong in what he's doing? He drinks his own Kool-Aid, like, yes. by, the, by the gallons. Yes, and that makes it, like, even in a, a movie I really loved, which is Ex Machina, the tech bro seemed, like, like, more the symbol of mankind's hubris than he was an actual person. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. And, and Army Hammer is not anyone you'd meet in real life, but he did seem to have the conviction of his own actions. You know, like he, I, I don't know. I bought that. He believed he was in the moral, right. And that made him a lot more interesting to me. Yeah. So this has been Mike and James talk politics during the movie. I hope you enjoy our, uh, our political rantings when you just wanted to watch a movie. Uh, and, for my opinions on this, please see the William Bibiani thread that I tw- that I retweeted about how all art is either is political because it either challenges the the status quo or it accepts it. Um, and fuck off. Yeah. Uh, vote Alexandria Ocasio Cortez if you live in New York. Um, twenty. Uh, 20 no. Uh, vote no this fucking year. Vote. <laughs> Um, vote Bernie Sanders 2020. Yep, assuming I, he's alive. I, I, I believe that man is. I, I, I believe his sheer Brooklyn-based ire at at dehumanizing and fascist policies will keep him alive. Well, he's way too angry to die. He's That's... too angry. Like he's just he's tired. <laughs> I am tired. I am tired of ninety nine percent of my milk going into the one percent cotton. And what? <laughs> uh, okay, I'm done. I'm okay. done. Uh, find me on Twitter at Jam Cozy um, and on on Letterboxd, which I'm not updating anymore. But I think I might start to get into it. I read some of my reviews. I good. think they're pretty good. Um, I'm hot shit. I'm, I'm hot shit. Okay. No, I said I'm pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'll try to start writing more of those, especially to the movies that we don't review on the show. Uh, and that's at Letterbox. Just James Cozanides or Flying Dad Bomb, because that's easier to spell. Uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Michael Lydon eight nine two. That's my handle. And you can find me on Letterbox at Go Fuck Yourself. <laughs> go fuck you. Letterbox.com slash Go Fuck Yourself. You heard it go here fuck, first. Go, go fuck yourself. Yeah, it was a great show this week. It's going to be a great show next week. And as always, sorry to bother you.